Welcome back to the Ink Sync. I am Annie. I'm Kaylee. This is the publishing podcast for the rest of us, where we are talking about books and news and the most maligned position on an editorial team, I think. Oh, At God. least in the public, I would say. For sure. Poor fact checkers. It's, it's <laughs> guys, I just, that is, it's can us. you imagine the sheer flood of information that these people, I just want you to think about that when you're being pissy about like <laughs> yeah they got the color wrong or whatever or the, the that's not a, a whatever malamute it's a this other breed of this dog or what you know like just consider <laughs> is that particular fact the critical element in the story that you're reading i have to say doing the research for this episode we're talking about fact checking today obviously <laughs> in case you didn't know so I was, the research for this one, I have to say, I have not seen any more in-depth criticisms of what we're talking about. People are so passionate about fact-checking, and zero of them are fact-checkers and know anything about what goes into fact-checking. I looked, I like kind of poked my head into like the emotional visceral responses, and yeah. I was like, I'm going to approach this more academically, and looked at the history of fact-checking instead, because yeah. I didn't want to be depressed. Yeah, because I was trying to find the Facebook fact-checking standards, because I thought that was, like, a really important thing for us oh, to talk sure. about. Oh, for sure, or Twitter or something, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly, and it's mostly buried, but if you've ever tried to search Facebook fact-checking, it's just a bunch of old people getting mad about fact-checking on the internet. It's really crazy, as, you know, Facebook Get pretty much is lawn, yeah kids. like honestly every post on facebook is old people getting mad on the internet sorry facebook user <laughs> i feel yep i do post this this podcast on facebook for those Which, of my friends on facebook yep, i yep. do and i do respond to your comments uh you guys are wonderful thank you so much yes looking at you steve and abby Aww. i did i think i saw that i think i, I think i logged in Very specifically sweet. to just like your posts on the i show. did i did <laughs> so i, I logged in I, yes i logged in and it was like 20 <laughs> likes and i'm like what the hell ha oh kaylee was just on for her <laughs> my, her my. 10 minutes of fame <laughs> Like, like, logged in, like, 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 you're doing great, Annie. Great job. Okay, I don't want to see anything else on Facebook. I don't want to be depressed. I feel like my page is less depressing. Your page specifically is is absolutely fine. Thank you. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, how are you doing, Kaylee? (laughs) We've kind of muddled through this so far. Um, I'm good. Work is very busy, but Mm. not in such a way that I want to head for the canadian border yet. oh good so okay that's, that's progress yeah yeah from a couple um, weeks ago girl. when you were like i'm actually losing all my hair because i'm pulling it out yeah personally that's uh, specifically <laughs> plucking it in anxiety driven oh my god post-traumatic how, how stress long disorders. do you think it would take for you to take some tweezers and pluck all the hair off your head i, I feel like this is actually that is a, a genuine psychological reaction yeah but how long do you think that it would for me, take um i have a lot of hair it's just yeah same fine. i feel like i would get bored yeah. There's a lot going on there. I, I, yeah. Also, my hair's super long and I'd get distracted, I think. I'd be yeah. like, where did all this fucking hair go from? <laughs> <laughs> I launched a product this week. Yeah, you did. That's right. How'd it go? Uh, we should do an episode on launching editorial products because there's so much that goes into it. I think people just think, oh, will you just like write it up and then send it out in an email? No. No. <laughs> no. We should do that. Um, launching a new, like a digital publication because yeah. uh, there's so much that goes into it, especially now with all the technology that's available. List building, website hosting, email hosting, email design, actual editing, marketing, all that stuff. Anyway. I think that'd be a good topic, especially since so the point of our podcast is trying to improve and like provide like resources and information to the community. I think yeah. that's a great idea. And helping people to understand what they can do with a BA in English. Also, <laughs> for sure. 
we are talking about fact checking today. Kaylee, I had a lot of fun with this research, actually. I don't know if you did. Actually, yeah, it was very interesting. I looked at it. I think we approached it very differently as we yeah. seem to always do. We do. We these do. Topics. Just in case you guys were curious about our process, pretty much we just say words at each other for our main topic <laughs> and then we come back after we've done totally separate research and see how we did. <laughs> I actually, I will say, if you ever need a good friend, get Kaylee. Because, so I messaged her and I was like, how do you feel about doing fact checking? And she was like, oh, sure. How much time do I have? And I was like, I mean, you have until we record. And then she's like, okay, what's our main topic? And I'm like, fact checking Kaylee. She's like, oh, I genuinely Kaylee was willing (laughs) to do fact checking on the episode. Like fact check all of the things that we say. And I was just like, man, Annie, like, I mean, well, you're like, you're doing your best. You got so much going on with work and school. I was like, she's probably just really busy right now. I can totally help yeah. out. Like, I'm, I'm a person in the world. I do things. No. I'm ready fine. to go. No, we're talking about fact checking today. I support you. And your so I, I will say the main reason that I do the fact checking is because I have experience in fact checking. I was a fact checker. So I am going to give a high level overview of how fact checking works. We have to kind of go into the editorial process because I think a lot of people get really confused. The reason that we talk about fact checking in the news and not really in anywhere else is because there can be fact checkers for books. But in general, publishing houses meaning book publishing houses do not employ fact checkers. If they need a fact checker, that's on a case-by-case basis, and then Mm -hmm. they'll just employ them as a freelancer. There are no, like, standing fact checkers for nonfiction books. They assume that as an author, if you are writing a nonfiction book, you have done the fact checking, and if there is a problem, that's on you. And unless you ask the publisher to fact check your book, they won't. So when we talk about fact checking, we are necessarily talking about newspapers and magazines and periodicals because those are the people that actually employ that profession have some sort of general structure given to fact checking yeah so what's the editorial process so in general overview editorial process you have a person who is the substantive or developmental editor a lot of times people use substantive and developmental editing interchangeably because it generally is it's someone sends you either a draft or an idea and you work with them to turn it into a document so for example with the product that we just launched the author that I was working with sent me draft and said this is what I where I'm going with this this is what I want to do not all the pieces were in and I went through the lead and went through the concepts and we talked about what we want the final product to look like and how we should be changing it from here to fit that final product Uh, A lot of people will make the distinction that when you're talking about substantive or developmental editing, sometimes you're not even talking about someone making edits to a document. They're just reading the document and sending you a bunch of suggestions in a separate thing. And that is genuinely how some people work. It's not how everyone works. It's it's everyone has their own process. Um, After that, uh, so your document becomes what it is meant to become. And then it goes to usually a line editor. Line editors, unfortunately, are very vague because they are usually defined by what they are not, because they are not substantive editors and they are not copy editors. They are that in-between thing. They're not looking at spelling. They're not looking at, you know, is this verb the right form of the verb? They are looking at line by line, what should this be saying and is it saying it effectively? And then you have... It's a vibe check. It's... (laughs) 
You're vibe checking the words and making sure that they make sense. After that is where we get into the copy editing slash proofreading slash fact checking. And I put all of those together because in a lot of places, they are all the same person. It's unfortunate, but it's true. In an ideal world, this would all be separate people who are working on, on a document. Uh, the copy editor and the fact checker would be separate people and the proofreader would be another separate person who is looking at the proofs. But usually today in digital publishing, it's all one person or all one team. So these are the people who are looking at word by word, sentence by sentence, is all of this correct? And they're looking at the final proofs when it's like just about ready for publishing to make sure that nothing slipped through the cracks. So there are, especially in news and like news that is like breaking or news that is timely, they're going to be trying to get the content generated and sent off mm -hmm. and they'll maybe rely on somebody else to add in the substantive facts that aren't necessarily immediately critical to the to the purpose of the story so they won't necessarily care about say the specific population it's they've got a rough population size but maybe they want like a specific population number in one of their references so they'll add that in but it'll be like all zeros or something and that will be something that they rely on the fact checker or the editor to add later or to revise later if they can't find the numbers exactly yeah so this is something that we use in news we call it a tk which means to come i don't know why it's tk and not TC. i'm sure it's latin <laughs> It's almost certainly Latin. Actually, you. so one of the things I know from working in news is that it's not usually from Latin. It's usually from ease of working with a printing press. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that we say lead spelled L-E-D-E -E in news is because that is more likely if it accidentally gets to the printing press, the person who is pressing it will notice the word lead and know that it's wrong where they might not notice the word lead spelled L-E-A-D. And they might think that's actually there on purpose where we would say lead because it's it's not a real word. <laughs> so a printer would notice that it's there if something came through. Right. So it's probably for ease of printing somehow that like TK is like a not a common mm -hmm. letter combination and that's why they do it. I don't know. News is a weird, <laughs> it's a weird profession. It's a beast, it's a beast all <laughs> unto itself. Yeah. So Kaylee, why don't you take us through some of the history of fact-checking? I know you did a lot of research on that. I did. So... Especially American journalism in the early 1800s, as it kind of had developed, was pretty trashy. Um, and I just, I mean, that's as, as kindly as possible. Yeah. Um, like, I think this is taught in schools, the era of yellow journalism yeah. and just sensationalist mm -hmm. bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was it. And it's it's something, everything was a tabloid in, in the worst way possible. And yeah. that was it. Like people, and it's what we're seeing now. It's yeah. kind of the, the backlash. Like we're seeing it again. It's it's playing on emotions and sentiment to try to get people to pick up your newspaper or your magazine your clickbait newsletter your clip exactly yeah they want you to buy they want your money they want your clicks in modern vernacular so they're going to do their best to generate outrage and sentiment and get you to hand over the the moolah it became a pretty bad issue and and not only that but the nature of journalism especially back in the day when it was really coming up in the world what era about is this um so around 1856 the associated press began trying to find a way to not only kind of improve its kind of optics in the public's eyes but also just improve distribution so the nature and like overall like business of news was very much um, a matter of people generating news locally and then trying to distribute it in a wider array and so you'd have writers that were writing maybe in a dialect or in a vernacular that was specific to a region, 
but that may not apply or may have different connotations in a wider context. And so like the Associated Press was just like, hey, let's start changing this. And so they had, they started employing fact checkers and trying to get their content producers to write in a slightly less regional manner so that they could more easily and more quickly distribute their news to a broader range, which would increase their money. Money drives everything. And also with an improvement to their fact checking, people in general were just a little more likely to trust the source and to prefer that over other sources. So that's kind of how it really all came into play. And at that point, the issues that we're seeing with fact checking, I think have been around since the beginning. It's just become, it just kind of has floated to the top at this point with the sheer flood of information where it was always an issue where like the first fact checker that got employed was this lady and she quit after like three months. She was exhausted. <laughs> That's a mood. <laughs> like for sure. Like God bless her. Uh, Does her name Yorker. survive through history? Jones. I because think it was Jones. I do have She's her my new spirit animal. <laughs> so I, I read a variety of articles discussing the rise of fact checking and where it came out. And it was specifically from the, by Alexandria Samuel who did her own actual academic article that i read through jstor awesome um, which were they thankfully provided them to me for free because i don't have a membership um but i will send you i can send you these links if you're interested cool. um time did uh or this was all recent like it was within the last say five years uh-huh. it was like kind of a history of fact checking because that's it was cool kind of like an anniversary almost coming up yeah so so colin dickey meryl fabry and alexandra samuel thank you for your contributions <laughs> specifically but yeah the overall like nature of fact checking has always been women's work and that's uh that's news yeah that's crazy it's it's wild and also like the way that it was framed it was like you can come and argue with men again men don't like that men don't like that (laughs) that was a selling point in the job ad they're like have you ever wanted to argue with men then boy do we have a job for you yeah it was like you don't have to be respectful (laughs) when talking to men like it was weird anyway so like the writers thought that it was like infringing on their artistic merit and like you're writing news yes there is skill but it, it this this should be more science than art and i'm sorry to say that but it a little bit it's news anyway so um that was where it began was in the like 1850s and just exploded out into the 1900s because people didn't want to read lies and and the immortal words of the medical legend house md people lie and whether it's on purpose you know or if it's just like you fucked up and you messed your facts around or whatever you messed up and you got the wrong information or something got mistranslated it can substantively impact the overall nature of the story in some cases and that's kind of very helpful to pull out before you distribute it to the public so annie how is a uh, house fact checking doing in modern times? About the same, honestly. Quitting after three months is kind of a normal thing. <laughs> what a mood. There is actually a huge, a huge high turnover rate in fact checking, in proofreading and copy editing in general, actually, especially at places like news organizations, just because of the incredible demands that are being placed on these people. We talked a little bit about the the exodus of editorial assistance from publishing houses. It's because a lot of them were being asked to do these sorts of things. And it's just not in their job description. And they're not getting paid for it. And, and they're they not getting the time well, they're certainly it. not getting paid commensurate for how much work it is. There is a lot of work that goes into it. So what we're checking as fact checkers, I, I, I've heard of like kind of the old the old school things was you had to check every single fact. Like if someone says, you know, uh, Paul Newman's eyes are blue, you had to check and make sure that that was the case. 
which is good. You know, it's good that those things needed to be checked. There used to be old things called fact books before Google existed. People would, if they went and checked and saw that Newman's eyes were in fact blue, they would then just write that down <laughs> so that no one would have to check it again. And then there would just be among the, you know, organization, they would have a fact book, which is pretty cool. Today, it's a lot of Googling, making sure that, you know, Baltimore is spelled B-A-L-T-I-M-O-R-E. Fact checkers have to check every capitalized proper noun. You have to check that it is spelled correctly. Um, you have to check that all place names are spelled correctly. You have to check all dates, all numbers. Generally, when you're getting the crash course in fact checking on your day one, they're like, you are checking every capitalized word and every number to make sure that they are accurate. Anytime you see the word is, basically, you have to make sure that what comes after that is accurate. I had to, I will say, one of my favorite experiences as a fact checker was the the article was covering a, I don't know what to call it, an art exhibit. And in that art exhibit was a piece which contained a bunch of toy cars with cockroaches glued into them. And I had to check and make sure about the brand of the toy cars, which was not available anywhere. I had to call the artist to make sure that this was the correct brand of toy cars. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that was the that was the brand I used. And I was like, cool. Um, so not in my capacity as a fact checker, but in my capacity as a human, how did you glue the cockroaches? <laughs> and I he, have questions. He just, like sat with me for like five minutes and talked to me about how he glued the cockroaches. I was like, okay, cool. All right, I have to go because I have uh, other people to call, but thanks. Bye. <laughs> I can't. That's not, like, that's such an interesting, like, what? <laughs> I I mean, like, what? Like, I was like, what did you use? Like, was it a shoe glue situation, or was this a gorilla glue thing? Like, what? What's your preference? Is this an Elmer's thing? Like, <laughs> let me let me know. Like, what is the? It wasn't like a situation where I had to like buzz market for a type of glue, but like, I was like, well, I really want to know how did you get the cockroaches to stay up? Anyway, but yeah, so that's that's a lot of what fact checking is. If you can't find it. You have to find it. Like, even if it means like calling the person and saying, hey, I need to know the answer to this. There is a fair amount of legwork that goes into it. Also, verifying when someone says this took me six years and then they give a date range. Make sure that those dates add up to six years because sometimes they are wrong. (laughs) Sometimes people are wrong about the facts that they're giving. We don't usually check quotes. So if someone is saying, I loved this movie with this cast, and they're wrong about the cast of the movie, we wouldn't then fact check that. We wouldn't then correct that. We might put a parenthetical at the end or suggest to the author to put a parenthetical at the end. Actually, you know, it wasn't Charlize Theron. It was actually, you know, Liv Tyler or whatever. Um, That was another thing that we had to do. Because quotes are considered facts in and of themselves. So you don't check the facts within the quote you're just checking that the quote is accurate that the quote was said in those words in those words yeah exactly so modern fact checking is a lot of legwork of googling and i am very glad that we have google and that i was fact checking in the age of google because i can only imagine how much work it was you would have to have like those big fact books that were in in the old newspapers because just (laughs) the entire entire thing of going back and forth and trying to figure out 
what this means or what they mean when they say blue or hazel or green eyes because sometimes people are just wrong about what color someone's eyes are and being able to just google and look on the image and see how color someone's eyes are is invaluable I feel. oh i can't even imagine i mean and for better and worse i would say google has done favors and injuries to the industry considering again the sheer volume of information that is now being reported on And I will say, uh, we talk a lot about what can you do with a BA in English. And I know that unfortunately, one of the things that we joke about is that people who have English degrees are very bad at math. It is usually just, you know, standard arithmetic that you're doing when you're fact checking, but you do have to do some math to make sure that people are accurate in what they're saying. But you do run into a lot of the, the TK situation. It'll be like this many years, and then in parentheses, it'll say TK. And you so... Either you are finding that information as a fact checker or you are going to the author and saying, do you have this information? A lot of times the author's just very slow at getting back to you so you would find that information on your own. Or a a go-getter fact checker who is obsessive as I was uh, would just find that information on their own. Usually in the news today, when we hear about fact checking, we're hearing about things like Facebook, Google, and Twitter fact-checking. Yeah, so tell me more about that. Like, what are the kind of standards? Like, because that's so nebulous i feel like since they're not a news organization yeah and that's pretty much something that they're grappling with so i found it helpful to think of it in the same vein as tag wranglers you know what tag wranglers are it's it's one of those things where something is not necessarily accurately tagged in the hashtags the tag wranglers are the people who go in and say yes this is talking about this topic or no this is not talking about this topic that kind of thing so the fact checkers are sort of like that because they're getting a lot of this stuff where they're like, hey, this is talking about COVID-19. And so that the fact checker's job is to see, okay, what are they saying about COVID-19? And is this in fact misinformation? So they're not usually doing the the actual in-depth fact checking that I was doing at a newspaper where I am confirming whether something is true. Their job is to see whether or not it is actually talking about the thing and what kind of disclaimer message should go on there. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who were on Twitter during the 2020 election, there were a lot of claims being made from politicians and from observers. And the Twitter fact checkers job was to go in and see what is the claim that's being made and what disclaimer do we need to put onto this post? A lot of times it was, you know, about timing, um, you know, someone saying, oh, the election has been called in this state. And then a disclaimer would show up and say, actually, the election's still being tabulated in most states. Click here for more updated information. And they're redirecting you to a fully fact-checked fact page about what's really going on. A lot of times, also, you'll see fact-checking in, and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about how a lot of books are not fact-checked, because that comes up a lot on social media. People are like, oh my god, this this information is wrong in this book. Where was their fact-checker? A lot of books don't have fact-checkers. The writer. Yeah, the writers are expected to be fact-checking on their own, and that's something that comes up a lot. Another thing where people don't always realize is that a lot of opinion desks, their fact-checkers are not necessarily going in as in-depth as maybe the news desks are, the news desk fact-checkers, because they're not supposed to. You can't fact-check someone's opinion. Um, You can fact-check names and dates and things like that and math, but you can't fact-check when someone says, you know, this guy's an asshole. What is the fact there? Like, what do you 
there's nothing for you to Google there other than saying that, you know, this guy says he's an asshole. That's it. You can say that the quote happened. Somebody, somebody exactly. said those words. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's a lot of confusion in the general population about what fact checking is and what it isn't. A lot of stuff is not getting fact checked, even if it comes from a newspaper, if it's coming from the opinion desk, that copy editor usually doesn't do the fact checking that you maybe think that they do. It's, it's, does somebody have this opinion? Yes. Which is not necessarily is, is this opinion based in reality? Exactly. Is, has yeah. somebody stated these words in, yeah. this, in this manner? So a lot of the times when you're looking at opinions, the fact checking is coming from a third party like Snopes or PolitiFact because that opinion desk is not obligated to fact check all of the underlying assumptions of the opinion. They are just fact checking the facts in the article. So I think that's something that people don't always realize. Well, that's why you always double check your source. Like if it's from Time, is it from Time Opinion? Or is it from an actual journalist that is publishing as a news entry? Which is, yeah. is a very different thing. Do you have any more questions um, about faction? You, I feel like, are on the, the more reader side of it. And I have like a million knowledge and very little like way to structure it. So. <laughs> Hold on. I guess my question here would be, is there tips or any suggestions you can you know, give to somebody to kind of less so for the opinion pieces, as we just confirmed, because you've provided wonderful tools to help understand the approach here. But like for people that want to know or to kind of figure out or evaluate the quality of fact checking that is going into their journalism, do you have any tips, any ways to kind of look at that? Absolutely. So Generally, we we like to complain about paywalls, but usually if you are seeing a paywall, that paywall is not necessarily just for the journalists or the admin. It's for things like fact checkers. So the Washington Post, the New York Times, your local news that's probably affiliated with Tronk or something. It's not called Tronk anymore. I think it's called Tribune now. Fact checkers cost money. And, you know, we joke a lot about how a lot of times they're unpaid interns, but so a lot of times they are, in fact, being there paid has to as be professionals. Some sort of staff. Unfortunately, when you're looking at something like Breitbart, Breitbart famously has an extremely understaffed fact checking section. I think it only has like two fact checkers for the entire website. And don't quote me on that, but it was some like egregious number like that. And if you are looking at something on the internet and you're thinking, maybe this is true, maybe it isn't, Google it from another outlet. Even if the content itself may be behind a paywall, at least the headline may or may not be. So maybe someone else has a different angle for what they're talking about. And Snopes and PolitiFact are usually pretty free. So if you are like, is this real or is it not? Check it out on Snopes. Make sure that you have at least some context. And I don't want to say that you know, there isn't always nuance in a news article or in an opinion piece. I mean, someone's opinion is usually, you know, their genuine opinion and that opinion is usually based on something. I don't want to say that all opinion writers are, are a problem, but a lot of times when we're talking about commentary and opinion, there are other people with different opinions and different commentary, you know. Every situation is nuanced. There are multiple sides to every story. We say a lot, you know, there's two sides to every story. There's usually like nine sides to every story. And if it's a story that's in the news, there are going to be a lot of people commenting on it and significantly Everybody's more than nine. Thoughts. Yeah. So make sure that you're using Snopes or uh, there is a plugin on Chrome called Ground News. You can just search Chrome plugins and it will, if you're looking at a news article, it'll show you what other news outlets are saying about the same thing. That's cool. It'll break it down by uh, left-leaning, center-leaning, and right-leaning which I really appreciated. So it's something that actually having that plugin 
helps me to understand actually what a lot of left and right news organizations feel is worth covering because a lot of times I'll click on a news story and it'll be like the only people who are covering this are centrist organizations and right organizations or centrist organizations and left. It's not a broad spectrum of people, which I found fascinating to see what they choose to cover and what they don't choose to cover because that is also a choice. Yeah. There are other plugins, but I, I just prefer Ground News because Ground News as a plugin will show up on your Twitter feed as well. So if you're just scrolling through Twitter or Facebook or Reddit or something, it'll have a little Ground News, just little indicator. And it'll say, you know, the breakdown of this news source or the breakdown of this story on other news sources, which I found really fascinating and really helpful. So if I just see something as I'm scrolling through and I see that only right-wing news sources are reporting on it, that gives me a lot more context for the story itself mm-hmm. without me needing to, you know, have to do extra research on it. Well, look, efficiency is so, so helpful. Like, it, it really is. is. Yeah. And if you guys know of any other plugins, we would love to talk about them. I only, I have a, a Windows PC, so I can't tell you about Safari plugins. But if you as listeners have any other plugins that are super helpful for you for fact-checking, I would love to hear them. Yeah, we'll be happy to throw it out there for any other listeners. Thanks for listening. I'm Annie. I'm Kaylee. You can follow The Ink Sync on Twitter, Instagram, Bookshop, or you can email us at theinksyncpodcast at gmail.com. We do want to hear your ideas. We will see you next time. Bye. All right, we're going to do an intro. Um, are you ready? <laughs> this is a really cute series of photos about Leonard, Leonard Nimoy. And-